So we're continuing our series um, in the Gospel of Luke. So we'll start with reading the passage. It should come up there. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 56. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I have come to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it would already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against daughter, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then he said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret this present time? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'll be looking at two kind of metaphors that Jesus is saying what his mission is. Um, There's lots of things that Jesus can say about his mission, but in this passage, he's looking at two things. He says he's come to bring fire, and he's come to bring division. And as Rob says, that's a great positive message to hear. Um, But of course, these are metaphors. Um, It's interesting, one of the sermons I preached earlier on in in the summer, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus and the disciples come to a Samaritan village, and the Samaritans didn't accept him. And the disciples were furious, and they said, let's go all down fire from heaven and burn them up. And Jesus says, it says that Jesus strongly rebuked them. That's not what I do here. But you see, when disciples heard Jesus saying, I've come to bring fire, all sorts of images can come up with fire. Um, and I think fire is an interesting thing. Like, like for me, it's sort of two things. There's a mixture of comfort and fascination, and like putting on the, in the wintertime, it almost felt a bit cold today, putting on the stove, put a few logs on, brings great comfort and connection. And also every year, though, in work, in the hospital work in, there's always a fire safety talk where I'm freaked out by fire and the causes of fire. So fire, fire can bring a sense of fear or a sense of comfort, a sense of power, a sense of fascination. And there's just sort of three things when Jesus was saying this idea that I've come to bring fire that maybe the disciples would have picked up from their own understandings. When Jesus says fire, what, what does he really mean? What does he mean here? And the first thing they would have realized a lot that in the Old Testament, fire would have meant judgment, would have meant what I'd say his fire brings, he purifies us is the first point. In, in, in Hosea, um, it says this, you know, it says this, you know, Yahweh says, Israel has forgotten their maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns, but I will send fire on their cities that will consume their fortresses. So I think for a lot of disciples, they possibly would have, when they heard Jesus say, I've come to bring fire, there might have been a bit of judgment, a bit of fear, a bit of, uh-oh, what, what, what's this all about? But the first thing I think is that, really interesting, even that passage in, in Hosea, Jesus didn't say, I will burn up Israel, I'll burn up their fortresses and their palaces because they've forgotten their maker. So this fire of purification isn't to punish us, isn't to destroy us, it's actually to save us. Um, it's interesting, you know, and you know, like even like the idea, you know, back in the day, fire would have been that idea that would have made things stronger as well. The idea of a blacksmith that it wasn't to destroy that sword or destroy that plow; it was to make it stronger. 
But purifying is a painful process as well. So in some ways, Jesus is saying, I've come here to kind of burn out the toxins in your life, to, to, to burn out the things that aren't right. I've also come to make you stronger, and I want to bring this fire down to you. In, in my work in, in working with people in addiction, one of the main symptoms of addiction is denial, that they actually don't feel they have an addiction. But actually, when you work through them, a lot of my role is to work with families, and they might say two or three weeks as the people are through a process of rehabilitation in, their, in the hospital, they'll say, look, I think my loved one in, in the treatment is doing really badly. They're really sad. They're quite low in their mood. Um, and often say, actually, that's probably the place where they need to be because bit by bit, they're getting that sense of self-awareness of the, the harm the addiction has caused to themselves, to their families, the wasted years, the wasted decades of their lives. And a bit of that self-awareness is starting to come, and that is a painful process, but a necessary process. I think AA talk about this idea of pain with purpose, and there's lots of pain that's not with purpose, and that's awful, but there's also sometimes a pain with purpose as well. And so when Jesus is saying he wants to bring fire, he's saying, I want to make you guys stronger. I want to sort of bring up that self-awareness with the Holy Spirit to kind of convict you, to remind you of certain things. I want to also burn away those idols, those idols of palaces, of idols of fortresses like Hosea says. But for us, it could be the idols of selfishness or pride or greed or debilitating fears or skepticism, our chronic doubts, our deadening apathy, our subtle selfishness. Um, he wants to just burn all that away from us so we're stronger and more pure to follow Jesus. But he wants to do this. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us with this fire. But the question is, do we want the change? Change is so difficult. I often see people in my life, um, especially in work, that they're in circumstances that are really difficult. And I go, of course, why wouldn't they want to change? But almost the, the difficult circumstances they know, they can deal with that better than the potential unknown circumstances that probably are better, but it's so scary. And so for us, even today, how is this fire in our lives going to be? Do we want this fire? Jesus won't do it unless, unless we open it up to us. Even today, just purify us, Father. Just bring a bit more self-awareness to some things you want to change. Or just use it to make me stronger today. Another thing that maybe the fire would have represented is his presence. So when the disciples would have heard this idea of fire, they would have remembered some very like, like essential sort of parts of their story of Israel, the idea of the burning bush. So when they thought about firewoods, it was a sign of God's presence with them. And I read recently, and I was trying to find where I read it, I can't remember, but I dreamt it or something, I don't know, but because uh, uh, I couldn't find it. But it's this idea that actually when Moses was in the desert and he saw this bush burning, they said it may not have been that unusual in the desert when the heat was so hot, it may not have been rained for months or even years, that sort of spontaneous combustion could have happened. So burning bushes weren't that unusual. I thought it was quite interesting. But what was interesting is that Moses was willing to give it a second look. And when he gave this second look, he saw then the unusualness that this bush wasn't burning up. It was sort of ongoing fire. And this idea, I think, that when Jesus says, I've come to bring this fire on earth, he says, it's, I've come to bring the promise of my presence with you in the normal day-to-day -day things. You know, at the end of post-resurrection, he promises that, look, despite what happens, lo, I am with you. And so as we go to our day-to-day -day lives of washing dishes, going to Tesco later on to the shop for the week, 
ironing the shirts for the work, as we battle traffic next week, or as we get ready for school or college and back to work or back to school, maybe we need to take that second look again. How are you with me today? What is your presence like to me today? That fire of your presence, that second look. And also this fire of presence was represented when the disciples would have heard this from the Jewish context, it was the pillar of fire. This was this idea that at daytime there was a smoke, a cloud that would have recognized and reminded the disciples in their wilderness, in their wandering their desert, that God was still with us. And then at nighttime, where they don't know what was happening, there was this pillar of fire. And again, this assurance, really what this speaks of is God's faithfulness. You know, it says, lo, I'm with you, and also I will never forsake you. You know, Psalm 23, which is a psalm I've been meditating on in the summertime. You know, and even though I walk not around or avoid, but I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever that means to us, I am with you. That fire of his presence, that comfort, that faithfulness. And we read even the post-resurrection story of the road to Emmaus, when Jesus is with them and he doesn't recognize them. But through the opening of Scripture, through the communion of, of, of disciples together, through the breaking of bread, Jesus is revealed, that second look. And they go away thinking, weren't our hearts burning within us as far as the promise of his presence with us? And the final thing when he talks about this fire on earth is this fire of his power and his passion. One of the two great mysteries, I think, in life is the first one is, why is there something rather than nothing, which points to the idea of a, a creator. And the other thing is, why did Christianity grow so rapidly? What was the change from a frightened, traumatized, shocked people of about 100 or so people hiding in a room, fearful of their lives, to close doors to something that were people full of courage, full of convictions, willing to give their lives to each other and fundamentally to, to Jesus. What was that change? And it's Pentecostal, it's Holy Spirit. You know, it talks about this passion, this flame of tongues going on them. They were out speaking tongues, but also that Peter was a transformed man. He spoke in front of thousands of people, this change, this fire, this passion, this power that Jesus wants to bring into his disciples' lives. And then Jesus' next line when he's speaking to disciples, he says, how I wish it would already kindled. And this kind of reminded me that when I was sort of meditating this, I felt the Spirit almost saying, you know, every fire needs fuel. Every fire needs kindling. I desire people to be willing and prepared to be set on fire by me. And it's interesting that the Acts 2, in Acts 2, when they're full of this tongues of fire, and they probably went away ringing, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Like, that was very strange. And even Peter had a sense of humor when he's, guys, we're not drunk, it's only the morning time, listen to what I want to say. Well, I wonder what happened the next day or the day after. The tongues of fire were probably gone. They had to get back to their jobs. What kept them going? What kept them going? And I think it's that they were willing to put a bit of fuel on the fire. In Acts 2, verse 42, it says this. Just after, so we had the tongues of fire, Peter's sermon, then just straight after it says this in verse 42. They devoted themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching, to community, to breaking of bread and prayer. Rob spoke about that last week a little bit, just the simple things. I think it's a real word from the Lord for our church coming into the season, just the simple things. 
So they had this amazing fire experience. Sometimes we can have those amazing experiences, but what do you do with that? Sometimes I think church can be like that, or an event can be like that, or a retreat. It's like a fire lighter. If you ever put a fire lighter on in the fire and just let it burn, eventually burns out. It needs the kindling. It needs the fuel to add to it. In, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, in the, the message version, it says this, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. And the Passion Translation, keep your passion toward him being boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit. What I get from this is it's our responsibility to keep our fire going in us. And I think the word there in Acts 2, devote. I was thinking, what's the opposite to devote? I think it's dabbling. And I looked up the two definitions here. I think uh, if it oh, comes up next, I'll, yeah. So to, de- to devote, it says, to give all or most of one's time to resources, to a person or activity. So s- some words, to allocate, to assign, to a lot, to commit to, to give, to give over, to a portion, to surrender, to sacrifice, to pledge, to dedicate, to consecrate, to set aside, to reserve, to designate. And then dabble, it's probably the opposite to devote. To take part in activity in a casual or superficial way. To toy with, to scratch the surface, to flirt with, to tinker with, to potter around, about, to trifle, to have a smattering of it. And I think in my life, often my prayer life, I more dabble than I devote in my prayer life. I more just do a little bit here, or a little bit there, or to community. I give a little bit of myself, but not the full thing. And I think the, the real answer was, yes, it was the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but it was also their willingness to put that kindle, that fuel on the fire through devotion. And the other thing I was thinking is, it's not complex things. We can dabble superficially with lots of different ideas or thoughts or activities, and we can criticize this at church, and we can criticize that, and we can just do a bit of this and a bit of that, and dabble away, dabble away. But these disciples, they devoted themselves to praying. Just do, do any of us anymore devote ourselves to praying, or do we just dabble every so often? But the other thing I don't know with making a little fire in my stove is that if you have a bit of fire lighter and you throw, throw a log on, it'll just burn out. And I think that's what sometimes I was happening. I'd have, a, have maybe go to church like this and come home and go, right, I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to do two hours of prayer every day. That's like a look, putting a log, it's just going to go, So the word kindling, kindling is the thing that I just add a little few sticks every day. A little thing I do every day, I try to do nearly every day, is I set a timer for 10 minutes on my phone, and I just sit, and I just concentrate in God's presence. I just put a little bit of kindling, because I know if I put half an hour, I'll stop after a few days. Just a simple kindling. And bit by bit, I'm going to put a few more sticks on, a few more sticks on. Or I begin to sort of use the prayer of examine sometimes, just to reflect on my day. Just a few more sticks. Or make an effort to come to church, not to try and go, where's the fire for me? But to maybe already have that fire in me so I can pass it on to someone else. Just a few sticks to devote. Just simple little things. The other thing that Jesus said he came, and I'll I'll be quite quick on this one, is he's come to bring division. But I think this line from Richard Rohr really helps sum it up. I think it's the next line, is it? Um, I'll go again. Well, he says this, we must leave home to find the real and larger home. I think that really helped me because, of course, Jesus values family and our families, and so often in our lives, 
we get so busy and families are so tricky and difficult to recall. They're almost they're the hardest people to love and reach out to her own families. But he's trying to make this thing that family was so massive for Jewish culture. He was trying to make a point that, look, that's important, but there is a larger family, a bigger family, and that's where your true home is. You know, many people, again, in, in my line of work, do need to find a way of separating themselves from their family that they were brought up with. I mean, separating not necessarily physically, but through the lies they've been heard, that they've been told and they've heard and they've internalized as children, that they've created a distorted identity for themselves. But when Jesus says, look, there'll be division, I want to draw a line amongst that and say, no, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. And many of us, many people don't hear that when we're growing up. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are enough. You're important. Your opinions matter. Rest. Don't try for my unconditional love rather than work for some conditional love. You're not stupid. And so I'm glad that Jesus caused division sometimes and a separation into drawing a line under the sand and saying, no, you are adopted into a new family. It's good stuff. And then, of course, for people and you know, when, as people would have read these stories, remember Jesus saying this idea, of, they would have, these Jewish people would have had this new identity as followers of Jesus. And the reality was their lives would have been separated. They would have had to give up a lot. And there are many people I've spoken to over the years that as they've chosen to follow Jesus and other people in their family haven't, there is a natural division sometimes. There can be ridicule. There can be just misunderstanding. And then if we try to kind of keep them on side as much as we can, we can almost lose a little bit of what God has for us in, in the larger family as well. And then finally, for, for, all, for some of us who have grown up in Christian homes and have had the pleasure and the, the, the privilege of doing that, we can sometimes end up living out our family's faith and not our own as well. And sometimes Jesus wants to say to us, you know, as someone always says, there's no grandchildren in the family of God. You have to have your own faith. Um, and you can some see that with Jesus and the disciples are saying, you know, at the end, I think of John, what about, what about him? Can I, what about me? Like, can I be like him that you're saying Peter's going like this? Like, no, don't worry about him, that disciple. You worry about yourself. Find out your own theology. Find out your own passions for God. Don't just live your family's faith as well. So, yeah, Jesus, on the way of life that we've been reading and learning about each week as we've come here in Luke on this travel, on this journey of faith, He's given us some things to talk, think about today. Um, but this way of life that Jesus offers us, is a, it is a way of fire. His presence with us, his passion that he wants to put inside of us to devote and to put fuel on the fire, his purifying presence to us. And this way of division, it's to put a separation from some of the lies, some of the patterns that we've inherited to create new patterns and new truths into our lives today. So I'm going to ask the, the band to come back up now. I really pray that any of these words that I've thought about and spoken to you guys about, just find what ones resonate with you guys. And I'll... Yeah, actually, I'll ask you guys to stand. And I want to pray a blessing over you all.
if you want, you can put your hands out as a sort of sign of just receiving. May what has become ash begin to spark to embers. And may the Spirit blow on these embers, the embers of his loving kindness that no water can quench, no circumstance, no emotion can quench that. And may you have the courage to allow the fire of God purge the toxins in your life. Where there is no light to be seen, may the fire of his faithfulness comfort and guide you. May apathy and fear flee from you as you begin to catch his fire in your life. May you find the fuel in your daily life to keep that fire going, to find ways of devoting and not just dabbling. And may Jesus and the family of God divide and cut away the lies that you've inherited. May you have the courage to let go set them down, to leave them behind and move into the unknown, what a family of unconditional love is like. And may that act of leaving bring you true peace. And may you learn to follow Jesus in authenticity. And may you remove all masks that you've inherited and learn to be at peace with yourself as you can be yourself with the family of God. So the Lord bless you, Holy Trinity. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up, his face upon you, and give you peace.